Coming to you from the front lines of America's fight for freedom, it's Matt and Brett Goster with America in View. What this world needs is a few more redheads. So people ain't afraid to take a stand. What this world needs is a little more respect for the Lord and the law and the working man. We could use a little peace and satisfaction. Some good people up front take the lead. A little less talk and a little more action. And a few more rednecks is what we need. We are coming at you from the capital city of the free state of Florida today for our final show of 2023. Matt, can you believe that we've made it? It's always hard to believe, but it's good that we are we have uh, successfully completed our first year of radio. Uh, it's not a full year, but we started this year, and uh, we're we're uh, happy to be at this point and looking forward to our new time in 2024. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped, Matt. I mean, look, we started this somewhat experimentally to see how it will work, but our audience has continued to grow. After the first of the year, we're going to be moving to a new time, which will be not at noon on Fridays anymore, but it will be at four o'clock on Fridays. And I'm excited about that because that way folks can catch us in drive time as they're leaving the office and heading out for the weekend and give us an opportunity to maybe shed a little light for them on the key issues of the day as they get into their weekend. One last final bite of truthful reality before they go off and enjoy their weekend. That's right. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we got a lot to talk about as far as what happened in 2023. And we're going to take a little forecast of 2024. Yeah, I think it's, look, Matt, it's uh, been an interesting 2023. I think when you get to the end of the year, this is those moments sort of following the Christmas celebration when you've been out there with all the chaos and the toys and the uh, interaction with your kids and your family and Yeah, you're sort of trying to figure out, you know, what the holidays are like after Christmas, but getting ready for the new year. And, you know, people enjoy the new year, I think. They enjoy that new year celebration. They enjoy kicking off the year uh, with their loved ones or friends. They get excited about the upcoming year. But it's also an opportunity in this lull between Christmas and New Year's to look back at uh, the previous 11 months and three and a half weeks to see what things were big, what things had a big influence on our lives. And uh, I think maybe it's an opportunity for us to, to discuss a few of those things today. What are the big things that stick out for you in 2023? Well, besides the fact that we started our radio show, America in View, that was the big highlight for me personally. But there were a lot more global type things that happened. But before we get there, Matt, let's talk about some of the passing of some of the celebrities out there. Matthew Perry died a beloved actor. Uh, Raquel Welch passed on. Lisa Marie Presley passed on. All these things will impact people. Tony Bennett, one of my favorite singers of all time, uh, passed on to glory to his uh, eternal reward. And we're going to miss them uh, in 2023. And I'm sure there's other uh, loved ones out there that people missed as well. But uh, from that standpoint, 2023 was a tough year that we lost a few of these uh, friends that we counted on. Rosalind Carter died not too long ago. Oh, that's true. I was looking back at news stories, uh, just sort of perusing the headlines from the whole year. And it is funny, you forget so many things. Like right at the beginning of 2023, Pope Benedict, they were doing a big mm. big funeral for him. Yeah. Uh, of course, Queen Elizabeth died in 2022, but then King Charles's official coronation happened this year. 
So there's always things like that. They're big news stories when they happen. They, they tend to fade out pretty quickly. Yeah, it's interesting to look back at all that. And I think for those of us who are old enough to remember the original Prince Charles romance with Princess Diana and all of the drama that was associated with that, this coronation of King Charles, I think, has been something that people have speculated about, been concerned about, been, uh, it's just crazy how people in America still pay attention to British royalty with a lot of attention and interest. But I, I wouldn't say that the King Charles coronation had a massive impact on our lives and affairs here in America, but it certainly was one of the top news stories of the year. I would say it was one of the top news stories of the decade because Queen Elizabeth's longevity had become legend. Yeah, longest serving monarch in history, right? Yeah. Or, I, or at least I, well, British British history, I believe. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, and he became king immediately. Um, of course the constitutional monarchy in um in the British system is there's not a ton of um exercised power that goes along with it, but obviously there's a lot of uh symbolic and figurative power that goes along with the monarchy. There was all that speculation about whether she would actually step down, abdicate and let Charles take the throne early. Uh it was always interesting to me that uh, she made it very clear that she was going to serve until uh, she no longer could or until her life ended. It reminded me a lot of our grandparents who were determined to keep on trucking until uh, a moment where they were no longer able to. And she certainly was an example, I think, for people who uh, don't believe that retirement is an option. Yeah, most people don't want to give it up. Uh, I think it's just part of the human drive. There were tons of stories, some of them are very, very obvious to us when we think about it, uh, everything going on with Trump and the indictments and the legal issues around him, the Hamas attack, different things like that. Uh, but there was a lot of other things that happened throughout the year. Um, there were strikes. Hollywood, yes. Hollywood writers were striking. The UAW was striking. Right. Um, Which, by the way, the only impact that had on the rest of America, the strikes, is that people may be frustrated that certain seasons are cut in half or made smaller. I know that my uh, sister is particularly frustrated that the uh, Blue Bloods series is now canceled and is going to be split. The final season is going to be split between two different seasons. This is huge. That was that was huge for her. Yeah, that was huge for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are the kind of things that uh, really weigh us down as a society. I mean, there's so much there's so much to watch these days, right? There's just so much. And, um, I mean, I, I did have some sympathy with the writers on some of the artificial intelligence issues as far as what's considered the product of a human being versus the product of a computer. Yeah. So, like, there's some meaningful things that get debated in this, this sort of thing. But, um, yeah, it's not. It's not top of mind for a lot of Americans. I just wonder how much the AI crisis is really going to become a crisis. You know, I, I've seen some of these programs and I've seen what they can do, but there is a lack of soul, obviously, that is included with the AI programs uh, that that uh, relate to creativity. Now, there's some rep there's some things that that the AI does that can replicate, which are just what I would call the functionality of writing or the functionality of art. But at the end of the day, I still think you need a human being to be able to put it together in a way that creates emotion and really stirs emotions in the receiver, the watcher, the observer. Well, it's sad commentary on, on human behavior because I think anytime a new tool becomes available, it becomes quickly used for deception mm -hmm. or to replicate something that it would be preferable in its authentic form. 
And it's not, I mean, we go through these cycles. I mean, think back to the AOL chat rooms of the 90s. And in the beginning, it was like, oh, wow, I get to connect with people. And then you start realizing how much people are lying and all the sort of criminal behavior or just outright deception that goes along with it. Most people then back up and they say, well, I'm not going to take this seriously anymore because it's rife with with uh, fake stuff, right? And so I yep. think that's where we are with AI, where it's this new powerful tool, sometimes not nearly as powerful as people make it out to be. Um, and then, you know, the the human marketplace begins to back up and say, okay, now there's a new there's a new segment of my world that I can't trust anymore. Maybe I need to reorient myself around things that I can trust. Yeah, I think we need to rest uh, our our uh, audiences' uh, concerns and just tell them. Although there may be some that don't believe us or agree with us, but this is my firm belief: there's no such thing as a product becoming greater than its creator. <clears throat> There, there is no way that AI or any other supercomputer is going to end up becoming greater than the human that created it. And um, so a lot of this hyperventilation about AI and is the world going to be taken over by robots like the Will Smith uh, uh, movie, iRobot or whatever, I think is all fictional stuff from Hollywood. I don't think it's reality. It makes good drama, though. Yes, it does. Well, and it's an, in, it's an enduring question is kind of the, the – superiority or supremacy of supremacy of man on uh, on these kinds of topics well i tell you what man these are all fun things to sort of bandy about but there were some really big things that happened in 2023 and uh, you know as we begin to go through this list i think that our audience should be invited to participate if they want they can go to our facebook page america in view let us know what your thoughts and comments are we got a lot of thoughts and comments on last week's christmas uh, edition, but for this New Year's edition, we would encourage you to go to American View. We're going to start working through, though, right after the break, we're going to start working through the biggest stories of 2023 and then project forward on what those stories could mean for the biggest stories of 2024. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We don't smoke marijuana in Muskogee. Don't go anywhere. America in View will be right back. trips on LSD. On the front lines fighting the insanity of the woke, it's Matt and Brett Doster with America in View. It is great to be back here as we get uh, beyond the first break, talking about 2023, the great stories of 2023, and then, of course, trying to use some of that news to project forward on what could be the biggest stories of 2024 and maybe make a few predictions here at the end of the show, Matt. Um, but we were just starting to talk about some of the what I would call the extraneous stories of 2023, King Charles's coronation, some of the deaths of the celebrities, sort of the standard things that um, you get into. But Matt, I would just kind of start working through a little bit of a list because as I was looking through the news, and I know as you were looking through the news this morning, it is easy to forget what happened like January through August of this year. And you're kind of only thinking about things that happened like in the last 90 to 120 days. Of course, this is good news for politicians out there. They like short memories. But I think it's important for us to kind of remember and recall what happened because it, it will have a bearing. What happened this year is going to have a big bearing on what happens in 2024. Um, so I don't know if you want to start going there, through the list, Matt. But. Yeah, there are a lot of news stories that I'd give kind of honorable mention. Some of them are more interesting because you just you haven't thought about them as much. 
what, what you're just saying. You had there were a couple of big earthquakes. There was a big one in Turkey. There was a big one in Morocco. You mm-hmm. know, major major um, loss of life there. A lot of tragedy. We talked about the strikes um, last segment. You had uh, banking crisis. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank was taken over back in March. That led to some some crisis with some of the other banking systems. You know, in Israel, of course, we we've had that on top of mind for the last few months. Earlier in the year, there was controversy there politically. Between, with their Supreme Court system, and there were lots of protests and, and things like that. With the Ukraine conflict, it's just interesting to look at some of these headlines in the light of what we know now. There was, there was conversations about where some of the U.S. military resources that were staged in Israel for Middle East security, should they be repositioned to Ukraine? Yep. You know, and it's like you, you, you think back, well, how, was, how were we thinking about the world then? Definitely, we were still focused on Ukraine. That's become less of a top-of-mind story. Um, as the conflict in Israel has raged over the last couple couple of months. Um, but see, Matt, that's interesting to me about, uh, for instance, let's just take Ukraine for a second and dissect that. I think most people would look at the whole of the year and say that Ukraine doesn't really have that much bearing on their life personally. Yeah, which, it started which, the year before. Right. And, and it was, you know, people had Ukrainian flags on their on their uh, front step. It was Twitter, or, you know, social media memes, and, and people were advertising their support for Ukraine, as I think a lot of people basically reacted against unprovoked aggression by Russia. And then as it drags on, people's attention span just wanes. And then other things, other crises, other crises come along that they get fixated on. What I would say, though, is that in the aggregate, the uh, whole of the Ukrainian conflict has spawned a lot of other what I would call minor stories that probably wouldn't make my top 10 list, but they are very important for the long-term strategy of the United States. For instance, Ukraine just sunk a Russian warship the other day using new technology. Ukraine has advanced drone technology in warfare now as a defensive mechanism that has completely and radically changed the military outlook on tanks, on artillery, on forward observation posts. That one war has probably done more to reshape American military doctrine than anything else. Plus, if you look at the now new alignment between Z or Xi, however you say his name, in China and Putin, and now Putin and North Korea and Putin and Iran, and the conflict there between Iran and Israel, again, in its aggregate, it's pretty massive. The Ukraine conflict now is no longer news, as you said. People have kind of taken their little Ukrainian flags down, but it continues to have an overriding big impact on the future of the United States. Definitely, and it's it's still huge news. I mean, the fact that you have a nuclear power in Russia involved in this conventional war, basically reclaiming or attempting to reclaim lands that were dominated under the Soviet Union. I mean, it's a it's a huge story, and I think a lot of people thought it would be resolved more quickly. And you can dissect that story a million different ways, but everything that you just said is very relevant. It continues to shape foreign policy around the world for our interests and for others, and it will have that lasting impact of restructuring the way that these foreign uh, powers interact with each other. Speaking of foreign policy, let's turn our attention for just a moment to what I would call one of the more minor stories of 2023, but I think still is an interesting story for the future of the United States and the political system. Speaking of Ukraine, we've got a former president, President Trump, who's not participated in any debates. I think that's newsworthy. That That is newsworthy. That was a big story. Probably not the biggest, not on top 10, but it's a big story that he didn't participate in any of the primary debates. And really has not had to define what he would do with Ukraine should he be reelected. And uh, Ukraine has certainly been a big 
discussion point for all the other candidates. But again, my, my question would be, is does this change the nature of presidential debates for Republican politics into the future? If I'm a big front runner, do I even participate? It's such uncharted territory. Uh, in our lifetime, I don't think we ever saw a presidential contest that had more than 10 candidates, at least not that, you know, major candidates. I remember, mm-hmm. I think in the late 80s, when George H.W. Bush was running for, for president, I think there was maybe six or eight big major candidates in that race. But this era that we've entered into where you have 15, 20 different candidates running for president hasn't been quite that many this go around. It's just strange territory. And then you have the situation with Trump. He's an incumbent who's been defeated, who's now running for reelection again. I mean, these are just not things that we're used to in our in our time frame. And you're right. I mean, if you if you're an incumbent who's polling 40 points ahead of your next competitor, what is the argument, just from a tactical standpoint, what is the argument to participate in the debate? I think the American people would still like to say, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to do about these things? It still is a very relevant way to get into the questions and answers of, of how someone intends to be president. Yeah. Well, I think that Trump will be one of the few people that gets away with this into the future. I think there's going to be a higher standard uh, called for, for any new candidates uh, into the future, but we're going to run out of time if we don't start working through the major stories of 2023. So Matt, on your list, uh, what would you say is one of the top 10 stories of 2023? Maybe maybe around number 10, I think you've got to talk about the failure of inner cities, the sort of loss of control on law and order. Oh, that's you had, a good one. You had situations where like Whole Foods made news where they, they put stores into San Francisco and some neighborhoods that they had not been in and then pulled out. I was looking at one of the news stories when Whole Foods was closing its store in San Francisco near Twitter's headquarters. And there was a line in the story that said something like, man with the machete is back. <laughs> you know, and just right. this this world we live in where prosecutors aren't pushing pro- crime or even lawmakers are codifying, you know, you're, you're not going to be charged if you steal less than $1,000. You've got homelessness in these inner cities. I mean, this has been, I think, a major development, which is bad. And hopefully our country gets its senses back and, and starts to crack down on this kind of behavior. You know, it reminds you of some of these, uh, what I would call apocalyptic movies where there's only one person left. Charlton Heston had a movie like that. Probably Matty uh, Rogers remembers that uh, movie. I don't remember the movie title, but it was a great one. Will Smith kind of reenacted it where there was one guy left in New York City. And, you know, the reality is that uh, we're starting to feel like a lot of these inner cities are like that now. In fact, I would say that whenever Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis had their debate, this debate over inner cities was pretty much uh, what it was all about. I mean, uh, it was whether the policies of California were drying up our inner cities and whether, you know, Florida cities were flourishing with Republican leadership. It is. uh, It's right at the center of that debate on the partisan divide. Who does better at leading cities? Right in that same category is the Southern. Let me just jump in here. Matt Rogers just jumping in as I Am Legend. That was the movie. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yes. And I think Planet of the Apes is the other one that you were searching for. (laughs) The southern border crisis, it didn't start in 2023, but it certainly has come to a head in many ways in 2023. On the same level with the inner city crisis, with the southern border, you have blue city mayors and blue state governors almost joining forces with the red staters and saying, this is insanity. We've got to do something to stop this. Yeah, and you almost wonder, uh, I think that is, you're 100% right. And again, it's not a new story, but it's a, it's a dominant overriding story for 2023. 
you almost wonder if these mayors and governors in the blue states are now calling attention to the border crisis as a way of blaming someone else besides themselves, right? Because it appears that in these blue states and these blue cities, there will be a political price to pay for them if they don't find someone else to blame for this crime explosion, this homelessness explosion, and the violence explosion in the inner cities. Yeah, there's plenty of scapegoatism to go around. You remember the Chinese spy balloon? Oh, <laughs> that's a good one, man. Uh, mo- look, I remember it. Many people probably do not, so it's a good reminder. That was a huge story for 2023. It was a question about just leadership in the White House, I think. So many people were lost, like, what's going on? You know, they, they ended up shooting it down after it got Do you remember the, the admission States? by the White House saying, well, well, this isn't the first one that's gone over the United States? Right. I, I didn't really remember that until you just said it right now. But yeah, it... it <laughs> Huge question marks. And then another thing that didn't get a ton of press, or at least it wasn't in my memory, was that the U.S. also shot down other non-balloons, other sort of unidentified uh, objects or drones in that same time frame. I think this was going back to March or April. So, yeah, it was that was a weird story. Well, I don't think it was just weird. It was, uh, again, a mark of the Joe Biden weakness on foreign policy and military affairs that they weren't able to make a firm decision on that right away and then to try to brush it away uh, was pretty ridiculous. So look, I thought that was, you're right. It was one of the huge stories and hopefully fingers crossed, there won't be any more stories like that or the white house will take rapid action. Yeah. And then uh, Hunter Biden was in the middle of a plea deal earlier in the year. He was going to get charged with two misdemeanors that blew up in spectacular fashion, which all kinds of weird theories about what was going on with his uh, legal team and all that sort of thing. And then that has led to a much bigger issue around Hunter Biden and impeachment inquiries into the into the White House. So that, that was a big story. Well, stick with us. We're working through the top stories of 2023. And when we come back after the break, we will finish the top six stories, maybe top seven. We may be a seventh one there for 2023. Stick with us on American View. truth and common sense reign supreme it's matt and brett doster with america in view all right working through continue to work through our top news stories of 2023 matt we finished off with uh i think some pretty good stories for 2023 that will have big impact on 2024 and likely will impact the american political scene uh let me ask you this i gotta throw this out there to you uh we talked about the spy balloon that was a big deal no doubt about that it really impacted the news and i think impacted people's psychology for a number of weeks what about the bud light controversy it was huge it it maybe hasn't been talked about the last i don't know month or two but it was huge you know modelo became the best-selling beer in america another Um, big story of 2023 right (laughs) And yeah, so many people, you know, diehard kind of uh, working class Americans just gave up on Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. You know what I, what I, let's talk about the Modelo aspect of this. So Bud Light is this like iconic, what I would call, um, you know, a blue collar brand that just screamed uh, testosterone, working class, uh, you know, enjoying the weekend with your family and friends. No one can forget who's of age. The uh, gotta light Bud Light commercials, or can you know, can't remember some of the other iconic Bud Light uh, advertising over the years. 
And now you've got this ridiculous move to try to change that brand, and the market reacted. All big of, time. Yeah, yeah, big time. All of America reacted. It, it was like it became the poster child moment for the culture's reaction to this ridiculously bad transgendered uh, mentality and agenda that the woke's been trying to push on us. And one of those one of those marketing moves that just didn't make sense. Like, what was the end game? Um, it it from both a ideological perspective and then just even from the tactics of marketing and advertising, it just was a real mistake. Conversely, Modelo is running these, uh, you know, boxing scenes. You know, we're we're the fighting brand. Uh, is sort of. Uh, casting a a line out to those people who would like to be identified with this you know, big time culture. I'm not really a big beer drinker, Matt. I'm not a. In fact, I don't really drink at all. So the uh, I don't know what the difference in taste is between Bud Light and Modelo. My guess is unless but you're you a, have, but you can you can figure out your brand exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is that it just goes to show you that marketing works because people even a Modelo tasted worse than Bud Light. They'd rather have that and be associated with that than with uh, than with this uh, sort of woke idealism that Bud Light was pushing. Where would you put the? So Fox News went through lawsuits, ended up settling with Dominion uh, Voting Systems for like. $787 million. Uh, Tucker Carlson got fired. Um, that's kind of in the rearview mirror in many ways, but where do, where do you put that in, as far as its significance? Well, I, you know, I, it's definitely in the top 10. Uh, I think it's in the top 10 because in the same way that the, that the market shut down this woke agenda being pushed by Bud Light and Hauser Bush, uh, I thought it was interesting that Dominion's lawyers were able to shut down Tucker Carlson and uh, were able to really radically change the way that things are being reported. Now, here's just something that I'll admit, Matt, for myself personally, and I know that I may not be reflecting your views uh, entirely. I, Tucker was not always my favorite, and I thought he probably went a little more edgy on the Dominion stories. Uh, I still have my doubts as to whether you know people can control Dominion machines from satellites and all of that sort of uh, controversial um, conspiracy theorism that was being pushed. But with that being said, he is a member of the press and he has a right to say those things if he wants to. Uh, now, Dominion has a right to defend themselves, but the idea that they were going to include his firing as part of the lawsuit seemed ridiculous to most of America, I think. The uh, A few of the huge stories that happened, and we're starting to get into the biggest ones. So, we started out in 2023 with Kevin McCarthy needing 15 votes to become the Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. At the time, it's funny, again, to think back to what how things were thought. That was an unprecedented situation, had to take all these different votes. There were all these concessions made trying to get the different factions of the party. Um, there were some other potential candidates for Speaker that, that were floated around back during that time. Um, but eventually it ended up with a coalescing around McCarthy. Obviously that changed yep. later in the year. Big time. Um, and then uh, his his ouster began in October and resulted eventually in, in Mike Johnson becoming the Speaker of the House. So it, that, w- that was definitely uncharted territory, at least in our lifetime. I think there was, there was like a contested speakership back in the 1850s that took 50 votes or something along those lines. But certainly in anybody's recent memory, we haven't encountered that. 
I would I would say his ouster began the day that he was made speaker. Though remember Matt Gates uh, and a few holdouts required him to say that you could bring up a confidence vote, right? With uh, just one exactly. One person. Yeah, and and they knew what they were going to do. Matt right. Gates knew what he was going to do later on to try to embarrass McCarthy. Uh, I think it's sad that the rest of the delegation went along with it. Look, Mike Johnson is a good man. We talked about Mike Johnson. We had a couple former congressmen on our show to talk about him and that whole process. But I'm not sure that the House delegation has been any more effective under Mike Johnson than they were under Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, the pro- the, the problems don't change. I mean, all the challenges change, whether it's debt ceiling, whether it's funding for um, the situation in Ukraine or um, in Israel, uh, whether it's just the southern border, our ongoing issues with managing our finances, living within our means as a federal government. I mean, all of these issues are still there, and all the reasons that they haven't been solved are still there. So it's you, you can always change the hats, but it's hard to resolve some of these big questions. Matt, I think one of the biggest issues of 2023, or one of the biggest stories, even though people have probably already put it way in the rearview mirror now, uh, was the announcement of Biden that he was going to run for re-election. Exactly, and it seems like a foregone conclusion now. But there was some debate about whether it would actually happen. I mean, there was there were questions about his age and his his uh, his energy and all that going back before it was even a, a foregone conclusion. Um, but yeah, we're we're in the middle of um, an eighty one year old running for president. Yeah, we are, and um, I think one of the things we'll be talking about in our predictions of 2024 is that because he decided to announce his re-election, I think that uh, there's going to be a preset, almost prefabbed, charted course for the presidential election of 2024, uh, but we'll get to that in predictions. Matt, let's talk about one of my favorite topics, the great robbing of America's seniors and their savers. Let's talk about this fluctuation in interest rates, I think one of the huge stories of 2023. Exactly. Rates are as high as they've they've been in decades. And, um, you know, it's all we, we live in this era of the managed economy. Mm-hmm. We're pretty far from the Austrian school of economics, which is very hands off. We're, we're we're in a very hands on kind of an economic management system. It's enraging, I think, to the average person. But go ahead. Yeah, it's hard to understand I, the 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 elitist at the top who believe they know what's best for America. They they um, using Keynesian economics, raising um, raising rates, trying to heat up the economy and cooling off the economy at different times. It does round off the soft ed- or the hard edges of the economy to a certain extent, but it does so basically in a it's a form of theft of those people who've put their money into um, into monies that have a certain value, and then you come along and you you pump up the money supply to keep crashes from theoretically happening and you do so by basically taking value from those people who've worked hard and who've saved well look i've made this statement before in one of the other shows that we had and i would like to do a show maybe in 2024 matt on what the um control of interest rates by the fed really means for your average american uh your average voter but the reality is is that i think it's even a bit more than managed i I would say it's it's uh, controlled uh maybe be a little stronger word uh, the fact is is that all these monetary policies are really designed to help protect the big institutions and help the rich maintain their wealth at the expense of the little guy and the little gal out there who's working hard. Uh, the reality is is that home ownership should not get harder and it should not get easier 
because of someone's political alliances or because of a political relationship, I again, if the market was really in control of interest rates, I just can't imagine that we would have sunk the economy this year to start trying to bring it back with lower interest rates in 2024 if it wasn't tied so closely to the fortunes politically of Joe Biden. And I think that's what's so enraging. Three other stories uh, that you can talk about. Presidential politics. We've certainly talked a lot about the Republican presidential race on this show. Um, the the legal, the, the sort of what I call the public trial of Donald Trump, uh, indicted four different times in 2023. His uh, civil suit by the New York AG, that started started in 2022, but we've certainly seen that on full display. And then the Hamas attack on Israel. Um, those are, I think, all candidates for the biggest story of the year. Yeah, Matt, I think that rounds it out. And I think what we do as we start uh, rolling into the break here is let's just let's put a pen in that. I'd like to talk about Israel and the impact on American politics in the last segment. And then let's get into talking about our predictions for 2024. On the front lines fighting the insanity of the woke, America in View will be right back. Where men are men and their ladies just want to love them. It's Matt and Brett Doster with America in View. Happy New Year from American View. Uh, We are just going through the big stories of 2023 and getting ready to give you what I would call projections for 2024. Matt, we ended the last segment talking about Israel the Hamas attack on Israel being perhaps a candidate for the top story of 2023. I would say it's definitely one of the top three. I wouldn't say it's the number one, but definitely one of the top three. As we begin to talk about the impact of 2023 on 2024, I think this has got to be one of the top stories because the politics that will now be coming out of the Hamas attacks on Israel I think can reshape not only the congressional uh, elections, but also the presidential election of 2024. And here's what I mean by that is uh, Jewish Americans saw pro-Palestinian rallies. They saw black lives matter. They saw congressional Democrats stand up, link arms and celebrate the Hamas attacks on Israel. It, it exposed where we are with, wokeism if i mean that term's very very big and broad but but other than just being about preferences and how people want to live now there's like a stake to it yep there's a real consequence there's potential danger in america because of these ideologies and you're exactly right it will shape the political debate of 2024 i have heard i'm not going to tell you where i heard this from uh, but uh, there you know there's there's certain key states florida being one of them new york being another one where there's a heavy Jewish population and a heavy Jewish voting population. But I've heard right now that the highest number of uh, new applicants for concealed weapon permits are down in Palm Beach County. I heard that from a very good source who actually has a a gun store down there. And uh, Jewish Americans feel afraid. They feel like they don't have any support from their own party. And uh, they are beginning to think that maybe they need to be voting Republicans. So I do think it will have an impact. And I think that that may really create a hindrance, uh, an additional uh, millstone around the Democrat Party 
as we get into 2024. Matt, um, I kind of want to do this in reverse order. I think you do too, to get to the biggest sort of projection for 2024. But let's talk about one of the maybe unsung stories of 2023, but I think it could have a big impact on 2024 and the 2024 economy. Uh, What do you think about the fate of electric vehicles in 2024? My biggest laugh on that was when Donald Trump did his interview with Tucker Carlson and he said the happiest 10 minutes of your life or, or, or the happiest part of your experience with an electric car is the first 10 minutes you get in it. And then after that, you start worrying about whether you're going to find a charging station. <laughs> a little bit of a joke, hyperbole, whatever, right? But I think I think you're seeing a conflict here with um, uh, what people would like, how, how people would like energy to work, how people would like uh, energy problems to be solved, and then the reality of how those things work. Electric cars has a have a place. I mean, they they work well. Um, the the high end expensive ones, you know, with brand names that start like with a T, maybe aren't the best for this world. When you look at all the materials and batteries and and all the various th- things that have to go into creating those vehicles, and I think that whole like larger energy picture always is a is a part of the problem that people try to figure out and i think right now you're seeing some a little bit of buyer's remorse on electric vehicles uh from a lot of different um sectors except coming from the white house which continues to try to impose epa is trying to impose massive new requirements on car makers that are just i mean you just can't have you just can't have these uh, requirements unless you go with a fully uh, electric car but uh, they are still pushing the politics of it, not the reality of it. And even the car makers are coming back and saying, this is not practical, it won't work, and consumers don't want it. So again, it is um, the White House and woke corporate financiers trying to push an agenda that consumers don't want. Sounds a lot like the Bud Light crisis. So what will be interesting with the big glut of electric cars out there is if the car makers will suffer problems in 2024, which will contribute potentially to a lagging economy. Uh, So the next big question or next big uh, prediction I would ask you to make is, are we going to actually see a recession in 2024? Do you think we'll avoid it? I'm not an economist and I'm certainly not a fortune teller, but I've talked to people who know this kind of stuff better than I do. And one person in particular said, look, with as much rate raising and as much manipulation of the economy, with as much inflation as we saw during the COVID era with lots of free money, um, the odds of the policymakers getting it right and figuring out exactly how to um, bring those rates back down in a perfect way so that there's not a recession is extremely unlikely. So just kind of the odds are, yes, there will be some form of economic downturn, which may officially get classified as a recession which I think is a couple quarters in a row of negative, of no growth. I think people are already feeling it. The reality is that if you look at new housing starts and even housing sales uh, of older older houses, houses that are already existing across the state of Florida and then in other places in the country, the economy is already suffering. Uh, again, the Fed is now talking about cutting rates, which usually means that they've overdone it. They've overcooked the pot in a very short period of time. Uh, we've got to move to a position where the Fed is called to account and they detach uh, monetary policy from politics. Hopefully that'll be happen with a uh, exit of Biden from the White House. Uh, I got to ask you this question, though, before we get into talking politics. Um, Ukraine, 
What's your what's your projection there? You think we end with a stalemate, a victory, uh, and will American politicians continue to support Ukraine or just walk away from it entirely? I really don't know. Uh, and I heard somebody say, "Look, you know, the fear is that that Russia is going to." The the fear all along has been, well, if Russia just proceeds uh, with aggression without being checked, it's just going to plow across all of Europe, take Poland next, et cetera, et cetera. And the naysayer said, they can't even take eastern Ukraine. Why do, Why are we worried about that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is, so long as an authoritarian government is willing to throw um, men against their will or you know against their better judgment into conflict, and as long as they have resources that they're willing to take away from the economic vitality of their own people and pursue this war, you know, I don't know. I don't know what their break point is. I don't know what Russia's break point is. Yeah, I think they I think it's a it's a ego thing at this point, because reality is they should be pulling out. They've lost like 400,000 casualties. They've cratered their military resources. It's it, it's a loss by all accounts. Um, all right. We got a few minutes left here. Let's talk about a few things real quick. What's your projection for 2024 on Ron DeSantis's future? Does he win this nomination, or does he come back to Florida? And what's it look like after that? It's it's a tough. I mean, it's hard to imagine a world in which Trump is not the nominee, just based on the polling that we've seen over the last few months, the way that America, the conservative opinion has galvanized around him, really because of these indictments and because of. Um, excess in in the uh, or the, the so, so-called weaponization of the uh, American criminal justice system. I think DeSantis has basically stayed in the second position, the number two position in this primary. So yeah, if I was a betting man, I would say it looks like Trump wins the nomination. But there are so many question marks. Is there a conviction? Is there an incarceration? What are all the things that might go into that? I think if DeSantis doesn't win, then he goes back into he's got two years left to be governor. He did he's done a lot of good things in the first six years of being governor, so he's got two more years. And then I'm sure I'm sure he and his team are looking at um presidential politics in the future after that. Is Trump incarcerated? I say no. I think he's gonna drag this. His lawyers at, at best uh will win. <clears throat> at worst they'll drag it out to where it's beyond the presidential campaign before they get a ruling on these things. But what do you think? It, at the mercy of the justice system, I mean, there's so many things that um, are not subject to popular opinion. I mean, their popular opinion shapes things, but you are going to end up with some judiciary that almost want to make a point. And I could see some of the the, the lefty judges overseeing some of these uh, cases saying, you know, we're, we're going to do it anyway. My prediction is that the Supreme Court of the United States will have to get involved at some point, whether they want to or not. Um, But I don't think Trump will ultimately be incarcerated because uh, the charges, in my opinion, aren't that serious. And I think that he could be. um, All right. Last prediction, Matt, as we get into the end here. Will Joe Biden be reelected president? My prediction is no. I think the bigger, you know, there's, there's all these questions about whether he'll even be the nominee. I think he will be the nominee. And then I think he will not be reelected. Well, I'll tell you this. My New Year's resolution is to get all of my family and friends to vote. And uh, I would call on everybody who's in the American in view audience out there to do the same. We must defeat Joe Biden in 2024 or America is going to take a dangerous path forward. I'm looking forward to being back with you. I know Matt is as well. We'll see you in January of 2024. Happy New Year, everybody from America in view.
Thanks for listening to America in View. For more information, go to AmericaInView.com.